you, baby. From I forgot you. On the Mothership Connection, Funky Revolutions. This is part 11 of our tribute to Lee Scratch Perry, the end of the Black Ark, 78-79. My name is Khalid, and we really are at this transition phase between what our guest Mossman will call a little later in the program, the two Perrys. The Perry we've been exploring in the last 10 episodes a young man who goes to Kingston to start a music career, from singer to percussionist to engineer to producer, to the golden art of the black arc in the mid-70s, to the end, the abandonment, and ultimate destruction of the studio, to a new personality. In fact, he had so many different names, a new kind of shamanistic performative work, which I call Lee's Perry as the Living Dub. We're going to therefore really look at this last period and the wonderful extended disco dub mixes that emerge despite Lee Scratch Perry's personality really transforming and him rejecting angrily those with whom he collaborated in the past. In fact, by 1980, Perry really couldn't find musicians to work with him in Jamaica. And in the early 80s, you would see him really moving towards working and collaborating with musicians from particularly Europe, white musicians. Really fascinating story in its own, but we're not there yet. We meet the two Perrys at this point, though, and many of the commentators and people who worked with him, whether it be Max Romeo or Chris Blackwell or journalists at the time who were making documentaries, who had met him in the past, he is transforming. And when I say mad, it's not out of disrespect, but I think it captures the mental health issues and the anger that basically invested Perry as he turns his black on black arc and all of those uh, communities with whom he developed such strong ties musically and, and politically. Among those events that will really hearken and create uh, the bitterness that informs these decisions and transformations 
is the breakup with the Congos following Island Records' refusal to release such a fantastic album as The Heart of the Congos. His involvement in the Nyabingi theocracy was very interesting. He'd been one of the earliest and consistent producers to work with Rasta Sounds. But this will create a lot of hangers-on, a lot of demands, whether it be for protection money, for projects, for spiritual collaboration. At one point, Lee Scratch Perry was actually in the theocracy, the Bobo Shanti, uh, called the Minister of Music. But clearly that had a, uh, an effect on him, as well as the overconsumption of alcohol and heavy use of weed couldn't have helped, as Max Romeo has pointed out. And in fact, in those later years, people who received him on his trips abroad really, really point out that when he drank, it became a, a disaster, especially at this period. But he continues to make some wonderful music. Where the studio is abandoned is when he begins really to take things apart, throw things apart, push people away. Musicians don't want to work with him. He has no more money. People are coming around and freaking him out. And he begins to cover this art. While in 1975, the studio was immaculate, we probably, if you have seen images of you know, art everywhere on the outside and the inside of the studio, but now, by 78, 79, he begins to mark over and destroy the art itself that he and others had so painstakingly put on the walls from 1976 on. We're going to discover these two Perrys and this transition point as we move in the next couple of weeks to end our feature and look at that living dub. We started the set with the shorter version. I'm giving you some disco versions because they were such classic elements, these nine-minute, eight-minute songs that allowed him both to pay tribute to the music, rework it, and dub it all out. We had, of course, Max Romeo, such a close collaborator, present, if not recording, with Lee Perry since the mid-60s as a member of the Hippie Boys, one of his classics, Chase the Devil, that would eventually... Uh, be the backbone of Lee Perry's own interpretation and one of his great dubs at the end of his this period, Chase the Devil or Disco Devil. We heard also from George Faith, one of the big, big successes in 1977-78 would lead to a proposed album as well. I Forgot to Be Your Lover, a.k.a. To Be a Lover. And if you remember, this was a song not only done by Lee Perry with great success, for example, with... Uh, people like Bunny Ruggs or Bunny Scott, uh, but by other musicians. But this was by far the most popular uh, version uh, to hit Jamaica in the late 70s. Another great, uh, can't, can't miss talking about the Heptones, this group that had been present in the late 60s, early 70s, did some great work, uh, among others, with Studio One. In 1973, I think it's Leroy Sibyls moves to uh, Canada, emigrates. The group is rather inactive. They will return in 1976, 75, 76, and start to do some incredible work with Lee Perry. We'll hear some of that. One of the great tracks produced at the time was with Leroy Sibyls. This one was one of the last great recordings in 1979 before the Black Ark was essentially dismantled by Perry. On CKUT 90.3, celebrating with Leroy, the work of Lee Scratch Perry.
Leroy Sibbles of the Heptones and Garden of Life, one of the classic disco cuts from the end of the 70s, this period on funky revolutions, looking at the destruction or end of Black Ark Studios and the transformation of Lee Perry into the living performative shamanistic dubber that he was until his death last August. In 1977, a young journalist who would be an important voice in coining the phrase dub poetry and mobilizing a generation of diasporic Jamaican and Caribbean artists to embrace poetry and political resistance in its evolving form in the 1980s. Linton Kwesi Johnson went to visit Lee Scratch Perry to do an interview in 1977, mid-1977, as he was producing the Heart of the Congo's album. He'd bought one of his earliest records, People Funny Boy, and loved The Crying Baby. 
In writing about these scratch parry, he said later on scratch used cows mooing and broken bottles and all kinds of weird sounds. After he started putting out those Black Ark records, I realized he's a special guy and I began to see him in terms of being like the Salvador Dali of reggae music with a sort of unorthodox approach. Most of the time he spoke in parables about things like the shadow that walketh underneath a man. It was an experience. The other thing that struck me about Scratch at that time was his shamanistic approach to music making. He thinks like an obia man. And I think to him, music is a kind of a magical act, an act of conjuring up things, whether they be evocative of Africa, judgment, Armageddon, or whatever. This is his basic approach. Rolling! This is flashing lightning. Positive vibration miracle Jesus. Magic Emperor Rastafari. His Imperial Majesty Emperor Alessalasi the First. Lords of Lords, Kings of Kings, Conqueror Lamb, Travel through the Elixir of God, Light of the World, Who's Right for the Ruler. Manu 144,000 hands. Manu 144,000 plans. Do re mi fa so la ti do. Music Papa. Where is Mama? Yishi shi wandalim, Abba Jadalad, Mosi Hayum, Yishi shi wandalim. Rolls with order in open book. Genesis is your revelation, open jolly of the land of Judah. Master of ceremony. Hi, good evening. Show! 
you have to rem remember, you have to keep in mind people when they approach now, if they want to go and listen to his back catalog, there's two elements of Lee Perry. There's the pre, uh, pre burning down the studio mental breakdown and the post uh, burning, you know, burning down of the studio. He became a different person. He's not the same person and he no longer, he no longer seemed to have the abilities to produce and mix and arrange and do those things that he once had the skill of doing. I don't know what happened. It was a complete, maybe full mental breakdown that he became a very different person. But needless to say, whatever happened, he went straight into what would be the easiest thing for him to do was this scatological kind of toast wrapping weird, I'm a spaceman, I'm a whatever, kind of like bordering on uh, performance art kind of thing. That is not really what he's known for in the music world of like, uh, musicians and producers and engineers and within that part of that's not what he's really recognized for he's recognized for what he was doing at the Black Ark studio at the pinnacle of his abilities and skills which he had honed for a number of years and then just it really whatever it just disappeared the latter period is difficult some of that stuff is completely out there and yes yeah but that's what he was going for. Some of it's beautiful and these amazing vocal harmonies, you know, working with the Congos, baritone, tenor, falsetto, you know, beautiful arrangements. Sometimes you'd have as many as four or five vocalists all harmonizing together. And if you go listen to that album, beautiful. You see it's the magnum opus of the stuff. But, you know, you go listen to stuff, you know, the other thing that comes out about a year later, Return of the Super Ape, and you're like, oh, you, you can hear why... Chris Blackwell did put that one out, you know, or his solo album, Rosefish Cornbread. I love the album, but as a mainstream major label release, no, sir. You have to kind of like take things into context in that respect, you know. Listening to it now, for sure, you can be like, well, yeah, this is really cool on a production level. So, so it's, 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 yeah, it's like, it's, it is a kind of, it's a, it's a very interesting story. It's a lot of fun in, in jumping into that world, especially for someone like myself over the years, kind of digging that stuff up. A lot of the stuff that he did in the 70s, he's, his name's not even on it. So you jump into that world of collecting and digging up old 45s and stuff, the 7-inch singles. It's still, people, it's still being discovered to this day. There's still songs being discovered to this day. That in fact are, are actually they're actually the Lee Perry Black Art Studio and the dub is mixed by Perry but the only way that you as a person would you would have to have had done the training yourself have your ear trained listen to know the difference between someone like Channel One and Kingdom the different studios be able to pick up the, the keyboards the effects units the way it's mixed these kind of things as someone that's loved it and been digging it for a while, uh, digging those records for a while, and still is, it's still a treasure hunt, a wonderful musical kind of treasure hunt of discovery. And to think that that is still continues on as his legacy is amazing. It's beautiful. He, you know, it's like there was so much stuff. He was so inspired. In the beginning, it wasn't even about that. At the beginning of the Black Ark, he would just help people come in there. Yabby You, Pablo, these different producers, a little guy that had a nice little song. And he'd just be like, yeah, cool, come on in. And, you know, he's just paying the bills and doing his little studio, trying to get it going. 
And then sometimes if he really liked it, well, yeah, then it would go on his label and it would actually get more accessible.
vibrate on Augustus Pablo meets the upsetter. Actually, the intro track to one of the only albums released in 1979, Scratch on the Wire by Island Records. And really, this was revisiting music that had just been recorded in the last couple of years. Some of the classics like Bird in Hand with Sam Carty uh, that uh, we've already uh, heard on the program. Lee Perry's version of Soul Fire, War in a Babylon. But vibrate on with Augustus Pablo, who had been a member uh, for a year of one of the iterations of the Upsetters. Had gone on, but continued collaborating and uh, doing session work, but also a couple of tracks here and there with the Upsetter through 1979. My name is Khalid as we begin to wind down the flight of this mothership, part 11 of our tribute to Lee Scratch Perry, The End of the Black Ark. So he doesn't burn it down until 1983, but the story leading up the, uh, is basically an abandonment and a, almost a depressing chapter to read in uh, Pretty People Funny Boy, the interesting biography by David Katz. I wanted to go to two albums that represent two of the branches that were interesting Lee Perry at this time. We understand that he's going through great difficulty it's not a great time in his life, and his personality has, is radically transformed. He's already introduced the idea of another character like Pipcock Jackson, and by 1980, there'll have be a, an album called The Return of Pipcock Jackson. But he's really beginning to, to change and is unrecognizable to many of the people. His relationship with Pauline Morrison, his longtime uh, partner, collaborator, wife, and mother of many of his children, has really begun to fall apart. Uh, she's moved on to New York, comes back, is releasing some of his material on her own. And people will try to intervene after 1979 to rebuild the studios, refinance projects. But this madness, if you want to call it that, continues right until 1983, when in the summer of that year, he will burn the Black Ark studio. So we just heard Augustus Pablo scratch on the wire. As I said, probably the only island release uh, full length for the upsetter in that year. There's another album that's really curious before we get to what is considered one of the great Naya Bingi albums recorded in Jamaica and really one of the last albums recorded in Black Ark Studios in its functionality, and that's the work of Ras Michael and the Sons of Negus. But before we go there, let's go to this really weird album that wasn't released uh, by Perry, but was ended produced by them. And it's two Congolese artists who weren't actually that proficient, called Seke Molenga and Kalo Kawangolo. And they ended up in Jamaica on the streets because a French producer had wanted to kind of get a Afro-Caribbean reggae sound going, had picked these guys up, brought them to Jamaica, and uh, it didn't work out. They were begging in the streets, hardly spoke any English, but they would put together uh, some work with Lee Scratch Perry, Kalo Kawangolo, or The Hearts of the Congos. Uh, play on the old album that would be released a little later. He, Lee Perry, when things fell apart, gave them the masters and said, do what you will. This is Bad Food, written by Lee Perry, with Seke Molenga and Kalo Kawangolo. And it was really, he had wanted to continue working on Africanisms in his music. And if you remember in our previous parts, 
His embrace of Rastafarian was quite mitigated. It's only about 1975 that he's a you know, true Rasta, and then he enters the Nyabingi's theocracy, uh, and things begin to fall apart. But his love and interest in Africa and his desire to work with African musicians, this was one of his only opportunities. Uh, attempted tours in the 80s to go to projects uh, in the 80s to go to, to West Africa never really panned out.
album released by Seki Morenga and Kalo Kawangolo after their bizarre experience in Jamaica working and ending up working with Lee Scratch Perry. One of the great albums that survived uh, the detritus of the destruction and abandonment of Black Ark was the 1979 recordings by Ras Michael and the Sons of Negus. He was a huge figure, Ras Michael, in terms of establishing um, Rastafarian culture and musical circles in uh, Jamaica. By the end of 1977, Jamaica was uh, 77, 78, 79, going, there had been martial law, uh, extreme violence, gangs that were politically aligned, uh, hundreds of innocent Jamaicans killed, lots of pressure uh, on people, a lot of people including Lee Perry, finding it difficult to navigate the personalities and politics of the day. But this album is a celebration of another form of spirit, which at the time Lee Perry seems to have embraced before kind of pushing back on the dread version of what he understood to be the mystical roots of the covenant. On CKUT 90.3 FM, this is from Sometimes I Love Thy Neighbor, one of the last albums recorded. So much people die Sometimes I wonder why So much people sit and cry Through this evil system The evil system Mickey gotta go Mickey gotta go Mickey gotta go Sometimes I wonder why so much people die. Sometimes I wonder why so much people sit and cry through the evil system. Got to go. Evil got to go. Wicked 
Thank you. 